Right on radio. Right on radio. Welcome back to Right on Radio. My name is Jeff and I am your host and I am joined with Jesse Zaboder. Good day, Jesse. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> We're going to have Tom on in a few minutes in our continuing series about the immortals. We're just waiting for him to join. But yesterday, I released a prophetic word that riled up the base. I received a lot of hate mail, which I've been asking for, Jesse. <laughs> you have been. I'm, so, <laughs> I'm surprised yeah, you haven't gotten more this. <laughs> I'm not going to read it today because I don't want to take away from Tom's time, but it obviously brought a reaction out of people. So I want to make a couple statements based on the prophetic. Uh, first of all, I believe in the prophetic. I've been following the prophetic for years. Um, and, you know, I believe one of the greatest prophets of our time has was Kim Clement. And, and I go over and I, I re-watch his prophecies many times. I, I listen to guys like Mark Taylor as well, who I think has been, you know, pretty accurate in the prophetic. And he just, even the stuff he says that isn't prophetic, I believe he's in tune with what's going on. He pays attention. Right. So having said that, the word that I gave out yesterday, uh, or that I, you know, put out with some urgency, I don't know the pastor who put it out. I believe he has a good reputation because of the person who sent it to me. Um, the word that was given in this prophetic message really resided in my heart, and it basically mimicked the things that we've been saying in the show. So I put together a couple possibilities, Jesse. Possibility number one is it's a prophetic word from God. Right. Possibility number two is he listens to the show and mapped out a prophetic word. That's very possible. <laughs> it's possible, right? Uh, possibility number three is perhaps he pays attention to Kim Clement and listen to all these other prophets, strung some together some other stuff and put it together. Okay? And maybe that's true too. I don't know. But the reason I put it out and I called the episode Urgent Prophetic because he did something that almost anyone, and by the way, the, the office of the prophet is probably the most difficult office to hold in, yeah. in the faith and in the way. It, it, you get attacked no matter how good you are, how you're going to be attacked. People aren't going to believe it. People are living in today. You're living in tomorrow as a prophet. So what he did is he broke what I would call a rule because most prophetic ministries do not give out dates. Mm, that's true. That's because they don't want to be considered a false prophet if the dates are wrong. That's right. And now the dates that kent christmas gave out in this are imminent like literally you know he's talking about december and january that these wow. things are going to happen and he's very precise and and by the way it's massive what he claims is going to happen if you haven't listened to it go listen i listened to it three times so wow. this man has put it all on the line in this word. If he's been doing this for a living for years, within a month, he's going to be called a false prophet if it does not come to fruition. So he's taking yeah. a big risk. Hey, yeah. I'm not taking a risk by putting it out there. Well, I guess apparently I am, Jesse, because a lot of people... Because you got attacked a bit. <laughs> and it was good news. I Listen, one of the comments, and I don't want to read it, but one of the comments is... This guy isn't a prophet. He promised that Christians can't get COVID. And, okay, I listened to it three times, and perhaps this person is more smart than I am and maybe even more perceptive than I am, but I didn't hear that part of the message. Just saying, <laughs> I didn't hear it. I listened three times, but I'm going to listen. <laughs> I'm going to listen one more time just in case, Jesse. 
So, okay. So I wanted to get that out of the way. Perhaps we'll read the uh, the hate mail on air. I really should. Um, mm-hmm. It comes from people that I know. It wasn't from random mm-hmm. strangers, Jesse. Interesting. So maybe we can do that this week. Yeah. Oh, that. look at that. <laughs> there is Tom. He's right on cucumber. <laughs> I don't want to risk the YouTube thing. <laughs> Wait, did you hear the president use the word cucumber? Said he likes cucumbers. I did hear that. Yes. <laughs> Tom Oldhouse, good morning and welcome to Right on Radio. Your timing is perfect this no morning. No way. That's like throw clothes, run around, scream, and get on the same. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for throwing on the clothes, Tom, on behalf of the audience. You're a pretty guy, but not that pretty. Oops. Okay, cool. <laughs> I got those pictures for you, too. So, Jesse. Oh, yeah, we want to see them. You're going to be blown away at the right time. Go ahead, guys. Yeah. So, listen, last time you are on, Tom, we were attempting to go through the script. Yep. And then the show literally exploded. <laughs> it was like it was taken out of our hands and stuff like that was happening. And, yeah, it was like, wow. Yeah. Like we came together. Yeah. Right. So this, uh, and listen, that's the way, that's the way this works. And, uh, and we're willing to roll with the punches, so they say. But we had left off in the screenplay, Tom. We were 200 years in the future. And our main character is discovering these old connections. Right. Is there, before we get into the script, is there anything you wanted to say before we get into the script? I should have asked you that in advance. Well, it's just things are happening so fast and everything's just coming together. We talked about the timing that, you know, God has. And it's like technology is being revealed everything's being revealed like this is a big arrow going this is the time this is the way this is the key and it's just amazing what's coming through we've had the helicopters flying over like the bubble ones that our military advisor guys said this means it's you know cia if it's got the bubble on it and we're getting right over the house we've got uh friends other hosts that are saying that they're showing that they're be with us it's marked as restricted it won't go through. He had this investor that was going to get involved in documentary, I guess, and he couldn't open it at all. And it's just, there's a lot of blocking going on. And of course they pick their targets from their biggest threats down. And so the biggest threats get the biggest attention. So we're getting a lot of attention. You know, count it as joy, Tom. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, count I just it mean, as joy. Well, I think it's funny because they say in the article that was first trashing us with the Wachowskis, they said, you know, Tom Oldhouse, just a ha- you're just a hack. And it shows their faces and it says, you know, famous for nothing. Not that I want to be famous, but the, the funny thing is in because of that article where they said I'm famous for nothing, they said that I'm a person of note, therefore I can't sue them for the article because I'm a famous person because of the article. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, and then you have <laughs> Sophia Stewart. Yeah, and you have Sophia Stewart going, you're just a footnote in his, Tom is just a footnote in history, just a footnote. And I'm like, fine, that's fine. That means something. You must be getting noticed that way. And then she comes back and goes, Tom Oldhouse is the evil one. Well, that just upped it a rank. Okay, great. So now we're definitely not nobody. So that means we can carry our evidence forward. Hopefully people will catch on and show them what we have that makes this other side so venomous uh, that they would try to do everything to shut down what we're sharing. Well, if there's anything we could accomplish through this broadcast and making this uh, a sort of a documentary of your story, Tom, it's, you know, to... Uh, to bring up the public awareness and get you your day in court. I think it's wonderful. I feel like I'm on a seesaw and it's like the feather. And it's like, I feel like I'm going this way. And then people like yourself step in and save the day and it balances out again. And then they try to put more pressure and it goes like this. And then you guys step in and it goes like this. And it's like going back and forth. And I'm, I'm, that's my life on this little balance and uh, it's the people around me that have the heart and the courage to do it that keep me balanced and allowed to uh, survive and bring things forward, including my son and manager. So you guys are the ones that are the equalizers that bring, you know, allow truth to come like water through the door. So, well, thank you, Tom. The whole world is on that pivot point right now. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, that's very true. Yes, indeed. Because you look at it where a lot of people are, I think, feeling some despair and disappointment, thinking like, where is where's what we were promised, you know? What's that? It's like, um, I believe that 
the key is right before them. It's like the helicopter with a rope where the people are going, save us, God, save us. And the helicopter's rope is right there swinging in front of them, but they're waiting for God to save them. The rope is right there. It's right there in front of them and their children on the roof. And it's like, we are that rope. The story we have, the the screenplay itself was obviously, I will say, inspired. I'm saying now prophetic. I see it. And it's like, I was just the instrument to bring it forward. But there it all is. And it's like, that's the key. That's what they're most afraid of, right? And I believe that if we do what we're doing now, and we get it out there and show this technology and, and understanding. And I'm discovering with you guys what it means. And I'm the one that wrote it. And here comes the helicopter now, right over the house. I don't know if you can hear it, but it's right over the they're definitely cued in completely to what we're doing. It's not delusional. Yeah. It's not, you know, like, oh, Tom doesn't have his senses. We we see what's going on. We're told what's going on by contacts. And we are the, told that we're the key, and that we've already won. All we have to do is turn it, and that's what you guys are doing. So, well, I, I can say, Tom, that your, your inter internet is being interfered with right now because you do freeze up from time to time, but it's releasing quick enough that I don't think the audience is losing anything at this point. So... That would be the helicopter going over. They jam it. And it's like, that's what we were told. They'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll just pray they won't be back. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah they'll, they they'll be inconvenienced. Thank you. That sounds good. You can't good. fly a helicopter if you're inconvenienced. That sounds perfect. Maybe the heater will go out. <laughs> yeah. So. But anyway, wow. What a ride. <laughs> what a ride indeed. So Tom, let's continue on in the script because, and again, I want to, the, the method that we want to do is I want to, so we're going back two episodes now and I want to get through the script. And then after that, we'll go through more of the evidence and do the comparisons. I know it's like, who but, knows I, but I want doing. people to really yeah. understand your story because your story is different than the movie. The, yes, the, it is. It's, it, and it, I'm glad it is. I'm I'm glad it is. I don't like what they did with the movie. It made no sense at all. There was no cohesion. And it's like they, they even admit there was no cohesion. They said they hoped it would tie together. Well, that's lifted work. You know, they got this thing on set here and they've got the visual storyboard from lifted images and they're just in what they are familiar with, like Alice in Wonderland, Ghost of the, you know, go, Train Man and Ghost and things like this. And they're just filling it in. And it doesn't make a great story. You're just taking pieces and shards of work that was already done. That doesn't show a creative mind. And then our work that was revolutionary, as Bonaventura called it, it doesn't tie together. And then you end up with that quandary at the end where you got no ending. You got have no ending that's going to work. And so they keep our exact ending. So yeah, anyway, let's go on. Yeah, so and, and there's one particular part that I think is going to have huge revelation when we get to it. And that's why I want to continue in the story because there's okay. one thing that the world, a lot of the world has woken up to uh, recently, actually more than one thing, but there's one thing I want to focus on when we get to it. So uh, if, if you can remember where we were uh, and perhaps Jesse could help, but we were 200 years in the future and the main character is making these associations again, maybe even if we backtrack just a little bit, that's probably fine as a refresher for the audience that to, sounds uh, good. to continue in the story. And keep in mind too, they probably had two scripts in hand. I had two versions that were given to them and they probably had them both in hand. That's why they were probably really confused too, what to do because the train station scene in the 200 years in the future, we joined the train station scene in the one, which is, I think it's really good because he just came out losing his daughter. And that's why that train station scene is there. Then you have the other version where the train station scene comes later. And he's actually just coming off the train or the transport and meeting his friend from a uh, former CIA inside, one of the agents. Um, so yeah, so uh, we have a fish out of water story. We have a situation which um, Forever Young draws from the rainforest canopy lowering down through the rainforest. We don't know what's going on. We're going to tease the audience, let them try to put pieces together. What's happening? They love that. Down they come, boots pounding by, a monkey, an uh, SS officer, lower echelon, who has a kindly heart for this Jewish man who's a little older. They're wearing lab coats. Why? He's got this uh, injection he gives him uh, to protect him. He says, "What you know, uh, in the rainforest, what kills you most is what you can't see. They like that line. They use it later. So what happens is you have him uh, was a trainer of dogs in the SS. He helps this Jewish man escape. He wants to save at least one Schindler's List. So what happens is he they cross the river and SS man ends up uh, Schneider, a guy in the uh, South America, because we understand now it's probably true. Hitler fled to South America. He wasn't going to die in a bunker. He was disappointed with his, his people. They failed him, he felt. 
He was the great mind and the strategist he felt, and they failed him, they let him down. So he's not gonna stay there and die for them. He's gonna go off on his total underground network right to South America on a sub. Now we're learning that's true. So what happens is he gets there and he's, um, they have this facility there, they're regenerating these people on secondaries, that's your field of pods. Uh, they're bringing back to test on, so they can bring their top 100 safely back in our time because they have the program now, the immortal program where you will live forever if you're the elite, which is happening now in Alder Carbon and in our life. Our upper echelon person to bring a one world society, you become part of the program. You're offered this immortality, basically, longevity. Here we are, right in our time. So it's pertinent where our film is in our story. So recapping again, this man goes and sees Snyder. He's got a satutu under his skin, which is a bulging grub that feeds off you and incubates in you. He understands he can't leave right now. He knows he rush, he's in a rush to see his wife. So he has the Christmas card, Snyder does, of his wife. He's been in contact, as he asked him to, before he was cryogenically taken away. So what happens is, as we understand, it's not about battery power, it's about the architect <clears throat> needing stimulation for his mind. The architect will know everything that's gonna go on from this point in the screenplay. He knows exactly what's happening. He has a plan of a thousand year Reich, basically. You have a one world society where that is implemented. And keep in mind that America and England are drunk on the idea of how powerful the Nazis were, how organized they were, and they were the buffer against communism. I'll stick in these little tidbits like an annotated thing. So here we go. So we're in the South American rainforest. Uh, he's going to get these things removed and he's going to find his wife. His wife is in DC. Her name is Helen, Helena. She's a noted literary person, very accomplished in DC. So he's going to go to her. I'm just going to ask you yeah. to slow your talking down. Oh, okay. I was trying to catch <laughs> yeah. us up, but okay. I'll, all right. Let's do my recap, but yeah. It's like a coach shouting out plays at the ten, end of the quarter. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so what we have is uh, um, he's going to see his wife, a noted, now she's 70 some years old now. This is not the Matrix story. This is the images they're lifting out of it. You've already done the field of pawns, stuff like that. So what happens is he's going to go see her. Meanwhile, we see the image of the architect in one of the pods because they had successful generations with a man spewing up chemicals and things like this while he's coming to with all the tubes in a field of pods, which they turn into battery power. So in mine, it's the architect bringing his top 100 on test subjects. Once they successfully work on the test subjects who match them physically, then they'll bring back the top 100 with the main architect. So we have that scene, which is drawn for Avatar, where you have the architect's face, you pull away, you're hearing these Zeke Hiles from the balcony with these scientists, pop open, he's back. So, All right. so, so I want to bring in Jesse here because I think there's there's some crossover. So okay. in, in the movie The Matrix, they have these pods and basically these people are battery power for the the architect. Um, in in the Luciferian, they're really you know, the sacrifices are what feeds feeds him. Uh, but and now we're in this crossover point when they're talking about chipping and the mark of the beast and which form that comes in. Hey, I don't know at this point, but it's to make people essentially half cyber, half human and to be in constant connection with the person running it, which would be Lucifer in this or Satan at this time. Jesse, what, what do you see in this? In, how does this all relate together? Well, we had, um, you know, back in the 1940s and through the 60s, you had Mangala who was using, um, it wasn't called the Neuralink at that time, and I'm actually forgetting um, the exact name, but it starts with the S and a T, but it was a, a device that literally they would, and a little bit graphic here, but they would remove somebody's eye and they would implant that device into the brain. And it acts very much like, what we're hearing Elon Musk talk about with the Neuralink. Um, so you've got this, you know, device in people that controls or blocks processes of the brain. Um, so, you know, the, the whole concept of that is that you'd be able to, you know, it's got the hive mentality that if you have all these people that are linked into this system, you know, and the beast is a computer system, so it would run and control 
everybody, you know, know what you're doing at all times and be able to correct you, be able to make you make certain decisions. So you're doing only exactly what the system wants you to do. Um, so I saw a lot of elements, you know, that the movie would bring out with that, where you've got this concept of these people who, you know, really it's like they're, they're encapsulated in those fake placentas. They're not doing anything physically, like they're disconnected from the physical world. Everything connects them then into this spiritual or into this alternative universe where, you know, that's where they think that they're living and life is proceeding on. So it's got the ideas of immortality because nothing is impossible in that world except for what they make impossible. Yet the reality is in the physical world, these people are not living. They don't even have life, you know, and in fact, they're not immortal. You know, they're being all their life as essence is being fed to others who are living in the real world. And cryogenetics has become a reality. Uh, we know that, uh, for instance, Walt Disney has, you know, volunteered himself to participate in that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's interesting too, because in the immortal screenplay, the technology of the neural link is implied as uh, to the masses in the program as an entertainment device too. You enter it for relaxation. You link up to the back of the neck when you're on transport, that train terminals, transports. You have terminals there that you link into. And instead of a movie, inboard, onboard movie, you are in another setting through that neural link, as you just said, Jesse. So, yeah. and, and he, he, you know, at one point he play, he's at one point he's being, you know, massaged by all these guys he's in a gay program. He's like, whoa. And so he gets, switches it to the beat program. So it's like a joke of, you know, what do do with the thing that's in the immortal story. Yeah. Right. And I think with, uh, Elon's, you know, they're, they're advertising it as a med, more of a medical thing right now. Interesting. That it would be able uh, to help people medically, like people who couldn't walk, it would help reprogram their minds so that they could walk. Uh, different things like that. So it is, it's being advertised like with benefits that like it has, mm -hmm. but it's, it's in a way, it's a guy's way of selling it. Same thing that happened with the uh, nano um, that I have, I actually have this morning. I'm hearing, <laughs> they use it to disrupt sleep and they justify putting you away saying you're sleep deprived. That's it. Why would you shut someone away in a mental institution high security as a real threat 302 because you have sleep de deprivation that's it well then they just put it in anybody they want like the uh, cuban embassies and they do it to their own and who cover and who's the one that investigates the fbi who's got the toys the fbi and cia and so they do that they, they do these procedures which i had where it was just like a nick and then a saturated q-tip pressed in hard you're supposed to do it yourself i guess that alleviates some of the liability for them you're, he did it himself didn't know what i was doing and so you're pressing that, that releases through the membrane, it's explained, that translates. Or you'll hear a lot of people talk about the right ear, nothing in the left, just the right. And you'll hear this, then they'll say, well, you're delusional, or this tintinitis. No, that was a procedure done. I'm articulate, I'm smart, I was tested as gifted genius, I am hearing this sound. And it's a fluctuating sound. So then you go to the ear doctor, and the ear doctor brings his wife in because he's so excited about what you're going through, Dr. Roth, going like, oh my God, this is amazing. He said, this is definitely man-made because you shouldn't be able to hear out of that ear with the pressure tests. And we have the pressure test graph, which shows that it just drops off where it's like that pressure in that ear is insane. That's part of it too. So it's touted, as you said, medical technology to be beneficial, which is actually uh, harm, harmful, deadly harmful. And the excuse to lock you away. Anybody they want. Now with Neuralink, they can do whatever they want too. They can put imagery, uh, sounds, memories, uh, a joint memory for a number of people, youth, you're going to have a schizophrenic society, which is what they want to call people. So you can be selectively destructive. The chips that we have in the immortal story, they could be, as in the immortal story, uh, infected, um, diseased, um, paper with, so that at a certain time they go off. Either you die or you have a message or you start to go nuts. 
And if you have a, a membrane that dissolves at a certain rate, then you'll have target people dying across this planet at different times as the membranes degrade on these chips. Mm -hmm. And there they can say, well, it's a natural world. Mm -hmm. These people are dying at different times. That's because they have the membrane that degrades at a variable rate. And then your targets all start dropping around the same time. So it's like, I know exactly the playbook. I know exactly what's coming because I was being courted by the inside. So I, and I've been trying to scream for three decades now. So I finally try to do it, which grabs people in our world at the level we're at right now, which doesn't seem very high, sorry to say, through entertainment. That's the only way I could whisper to them, through art. They still don't get it. They still celebrate the stolen version, which makes no sense, and they admit makes no sense. While here is the completed version, how many people are talking about it? And it's copyrighted. So it is a little frustrating from my end, but I believe this is the time for it to work, and I believe people may start catching on. I've noticed a lot of people giving very positive comments. God bless them all. God bless them all, because it's like pure water to the men in the desert. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and this this might be a smaller show right now, Tom, but, you know, it, it won't be long and we'll have hundreds of thousands and then people are going to go back and rediscover these. So, you know, mm -hmm. the, the timing is up to God and how it does. But we, we really did our first YouTube uh, show with you, the first interview. You That's know. incredible. Yeah, you're not getting blocked either. It's like these other people are getting blocked and they're even doing a lawsuit now. Red Pill uh, 78. He's named after my screenplay, Red Pill 78, with the elements in it. That became revolutionary. And it's like, we're the key. And oh, you're, you're. Sarah Westall, too. It's like they need to realize, no, it's not. It, we're the reason that's happening to you. And, but they go like, well, why would there be other hosts being struck? They're potential hosts. And it also gives them a plausible deniability saying, well, look, you know, he didn't do the interview there yet. Or, yeah, yeah. So that's what's going on. They're, they're smart in their way of being evil. You know, like my sister, who's sold out completely, wears the red dress now, gets all the awards from the CIA, FBI operative and Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick. I mean, grave invitations for dinner at Congress and everything. Um, she's not smart. But she has a smart in the sense of power, image, and evil. A small brain can function very well within the circle of evil. But a genius like ourselves or those that are enlightened have full of faith. Because we can't be bridled, we can't be reined, we can't be bought, hopefully. But yeah. Well, we've so, already proven we can't be. Right. So. Well, I say it for all of us. It's just when they're holding a gun to your child's head or letting you know that, you know, they're going to kill your next one and you heard he almost drowned and he was almost choked to death. There is that moment of thought. Yeah. yeah. Hey, listen, I, I consider myself brave in the spite. I consider myself full of faith. Uh, I would hope I can't be bought. You never know until that moment. That is well said. That's the best. I think that's the best phrasing of it is that we don't know. I'm never going to say the absolute. I want to be able to say it. I would say to public, there's a shelf life on us all. They can implanted, and it's true. They're trying to lock me away for that. Well, I know it because they had me know the procedure was done. So I hear it in the morning, and so does my manager. She hears it like, try to exist and create with that sound going off in your head. And then you have a piercing high pitch. Now the people at the Cuban embassy are coming forward. They came forward and said, all of them said in mass that they heard these things and compared it to the Indian cricket. If you listen to that sound, you'll know what I hear, usually at night. And that can be turned up or turned down. And that's to lock us away. So why are our intellectuals, our ambassadors, our highly educated people and personnel that are trained in discipline, suddenly experiencing all these things that they can call delusional and shut us away? We're not delusional. But that's the word they throw around like candy. Yeah. Cousin, my brother was with Disney and Spielberg. They throw it all the time. It's like they don't have a brain. They just throw out this word. You're delusional. It's like, do you have any other thing you can say? But well, no, we're not. You, say we, you lack critical thinking skills and, you know. Yeah, exactly. My, my sister's like the worst tool in the shed, but she's got all the awards. And, and Fitzpatrick says, Brian Fitzpatrick, if you look him up, Congressman Byron Fitzpatrick is FBI, California. On his desk is for your eyes only, you know, from the FBI. And it's like, you know, an oxymoron when you say Federal Bureau of Intelligence investigation whatever but it's like cia there she is the dumbest in our family being elevated with not even licensed to the highest awards and congressional floor being honored with a picture held up 
That's our United States right now. The pond scum is rising and the cream is being pressed down. It's like, and if you have, it, you see it in different families. If you're the one that actually did the creative work that ignited a world, you'll see your lowest member risen up to trash you. Suddenly they become from loving to hateful and talk about image and power. Anyway, I've taken us way off track. <laughs> but boy, that's timely. Tom, right before you came on, we were talk, talking about, I put out a, a kind of a rushed episode yesterday. It's only about 12 minutes long. And it's a prophetic word that came out yesterday. And I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen to it. Okay, right, very well. And make I'm up actually, your own mind if it's real. That's all I got to say to you and to the audience. Well, I'll tell you what. I would say to people out there, too, it's very time. Now, why would he say that when he lost his two sons? I'm doing it in their memory. But to be with people like yourselves, guys, Jeff, you know, Jesse, it's like, this is an exciting time. After three decades of monotony and horror, suddenly it's all coming forward and all coming together. This is the chance for people to pick up the key and turn it. We make the documentary. We make the film as it is. We make this film as it was. You'll see what the Wachowskis were working off of. You know, they stick the high school, everything in there. We've got them. And this is what they're most afraid of. Just making a film, just making a documentary, one dedicated to God in faith and given in faith. It's, it is prophecy. All the tech is there and it's coming out in our time. I can say now that's prophecy, not because I wrote it. Right. True. I'm laughing and crying and writing as I go. I didn't know how it would connect. I guess the Wachowskis thought they could do the same. It didn't work for them. But here we are. We see the field of pods. We're in the rainforest. I'll just pick it back up. Thank you. Perfect, Todd. I didn't want you to have to sweat that one. So it's like, yeah. So here we are. And it's like, he's going to go see his wife. The whole Mel Gibson connection thing here with Joel Silver and all these guys and D um, Dina Laurentiis and Wachowski's coming in the picture now. First thing, forever young. Helen. We have Helena. Aged woman. Aged woman. Uh, our guy who's an ex-military, uh, cryogenically frozen. Our guy who's ex-military, cryogenically frozen. Going to see her, going to see her. She had, he... That's where it goes. That's why they just lifted it as an insurance film to um, profit off it, and they just make garbage. So anyway, first time they brought Mel Gibson in. So in ours, he goes and sees his wife, and it alerts a CIA department, a lower echelon one, where our main character, the Neo counterpart, Jim Reeves, is operating. So they're, they're a unique group that's supposed to spot terrorists, potential terrorists, right? They don't get much traffic and much attention. But they're there just in case, right? A, a department that's kind of on the side, not elevated, not lifted, not celebrated. And so they're just doing their thing. They come across this Jewish man and they call it the ghost hunt. They see this um, Neo counter. Um, a German officer. There's the pictures from, you know, from him being in World War II. So he goes and sees this woman because he sh has shown up at her house and leaves. So they go and see her. She still speaks the heavy accent and everything. And they try to win her confidence. And they're like, no, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk. And basically, um, our main guy, our Neo counterpart, who's the head of this department, goes in and more his Morpheus is the guy under him in this department. Isn't that interesting? CIA. So they talk to her and he comes out and goes, we don't know what he said, but he comes out and goes, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll pursue this. I'll take this up to the top. Because it's like what she said was convincing. She had pictures of him from World War II. He hasn't aged. Something is going on. He's embarrassed to make this report, but he's going to do it. So he what we see then is he is in this meeting with the Smith character named Kurt Berenger. He's described as being polished with a moving with a calculated grace. Right, that's why they wanted Sean Connery. So what happens is, um, who I did too, he's telling his story and they're kind of joking in the background in the boardroom and he's like, or the conference room, and he's like thinking, should I go on? You know, it's like, yes, please continue. We haven't heard a conclusion yet. And he says something like, you know, if this is what we think it is, this could be the you know biggest threat to our country basically ever. He's thinking like, oh, why did I say that? That was stupid. But they're paying close attention because it is, and it is in our time now. And so what he has stumbled upon is something where it's indicating a one world society is right on the brink, right on the edge to happen, right on the purpose. I'm across it. So what happens next? Well, we have this uh, intrusion 
into his office of these three thugs that are coming in that are gonna shut down his office, right? After they go to see the um, Helen, the girl, uh, the lady who was the wife of the German officer, that house explodes as soon as he goes in it. They had it staked out, it goes, and they call it a gas leak. Um, the Je Jewish man, they hear on the phone that he's disappeared. They don't know what happened to the body. And he says, well, they mean undecided what they do with the body. And so what happens is in come these three thugs and the Smith character is part of it. He's part of our story right from the beginning, just as they are in theirs, right? And he comes in, he says, your office is being closed due to budget cuts. We'll need all your files. Well, that's what happens to me. They want all my files. And so, the, and they exit uh, taking all the files. And uh, what happens is at home then, Neo's home, not in the office or a, a holding cell in a police station. No, that's not it. The agents aren't police. They're operatives. So they come to his house, two sedans shutting off the lights with precision. They go in his house and his wife and daughter are there. Yes, Neo's counterpart has a relationship, which also he's hate out. They don't want it. So he has his wife and daughter. The stakes are higher. It's his home. It is a Smith agent that walks in. He lays a gun down on the table after the daughter and mother or wife are away. And he says that, you know, basically he's telling him he got too close. He's like, what happened? What, what, what wrong? He says, too close. He said, there's a report from a Manning a psychiatrist, and this is fits our time, who's diagnosed you as um, paranoid schizophrenic with narcissistic tendencies and also um, a narcissist. He's like, you know, so he's like saying, um, you've, we now know proved you killed the pushman. Uh, so they're tying it all up nicely on him. Which they do. So, sorry, Tom. You're, and so what happens there, is he's like, you, you killed know, who? Sorry. Oh, they're claiming that he, that our neo counterpart, killed the Jewish man. Okay. Right? Yeah, you cut like out setting, that part. We couldn't hear it. Yeah, that's all. They're going to block things out. It's going to happen. We're going to have a lot of interruption now because they know we're breaking through. So you're going to see it. You're going to see it. And I expect more flyovers. But anyway, so what happens is um, the German officer. They're saying that his house exploded due to a gas leak. And they're going to blame it on our Neo character, that he used his arsonist, you know, kind of thing to do it. And so what happens is he asks, is the gun for me then? He's like, I'll leave it if you need it. Yeah. But then he says, I'm supposed to offer you the program. Now, why? Because the architect in ours is the one that keeps our Neo alive. Why? Because of the need for mental stimulation, right? The best mental stimulation he can have, knowing all the choices we're going to make, he thinks through cause and effect, is um, putting these two together, not allowed to kill each other. It's like putting a tiger and a scorpion in the cage. You know, it's like a giant one in the cage. Take each other out. So what happens is um, that's to stimulate the mind. And I think that happens in our real life anyway. I think they actually do this for entertainment, to stimulate their minds. They don't want to be bored. So here he is, his little girl comes down. And he he's frantic at this point he's like oh my gosh my girl's right here and so she makes a comment about this scary man and he sends her back up to bed he's like don't hurt my family he says if you behave yourself which are words i heard from robinson's group if you behave yourself they can be with you too he says my family gets immortal and be with me forever he says he'd rather not you know but he goes up and looks at the picture of his wife and is saying like you know she's a very smart lady loyal too i take it i like that in the woman so he's hinting that he's taking interest in the woman which happened. What happens is um, he's told he'll be assimilated into the program. Sounds familiar. He's given a pick, a mole thing to the back of his neck, precursor to the jack of the neck, right? Precursor to the portal, which is a uh, uh, tracking device, right? Listening device, which happens in the movie. And so um, the stakes are higher because it's in his home, not in a cell. So he's basically gagged, right? Same thing. So he's told that he's going to appear at this uh, Smith's office for two weeks, and then he'll be assimilated. But he's not to tell anybody, his family or anything. So he goes to the office the next day, and our Morpheus counterparts asking, what happened? What's going on? He's telling his office, well, it was all um, a misunderstanding. There is no ghosts or anything. There's no ghost haunt. Uh, he didn't blow up his own house or whatever, and this guy was nuts, and it's, it's nothing. It's been explained to him. Well, the Morpheus character knows he's sold out, right? Totally sold out. And we, what we just talked about, could we be bought? Could we be bought? Now, keep in mind, this character is based on me. This Neo character is based on me 
And here he is basically selling out softly to save his family, isn't he? So, you know what, Tom, I, I just keep getting this reoccurring thought as you're describing this and getting connected to the system and getting that implant. And I think what how it relates to today is, you know, the very first lie that was told in this world was the lie to go to eat the apple from the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of truth and evil. Mm -hmm. And this is really what the enemy wants. He doesn't want us to be connected to the tree of life. Mm -hmm. He wants us to be connected to his knowledge. That's and brilliant. Brilliant. Because in Avatar, which is the co-ripoff, they made clear to me, they let me know through Frank Ayala at the court records office, that <clears throat> Avatar was ripped off just like you, Tom, in Mortals. So, and Avatar is a blend of my work and Avatar. We know that. And in there, what do they have? The Tree of Life, right? They have the Tree of Life, basically, with the memories. What yeah. Mine? The Library of Memories in mine. They blended it, right? There you go. And what do they do? One of the first things they do when they court you, and I've been courted by the FBI, Ross's Religious Right, Hollywood, and on, uh, Italian Mafia. I've been recruited by all these, yes, all these different groups that are opposed with each other, but also linked in a common goal. <coughs> it's insane. It is insane. It's, it's crazy. So I'm like a Forrest Gump. But they, they all saw what they thought was the talents. That's why that scene I just told you. But what's the first thing they do? They give you information. They educate you to impress you. It's their carrot on the stick. And, and then you're going to know you, the secrets. You're going to be ahead of it. everyone. Lauren Holmberg, the CIA operative from the Masons. That's the thing he's telling me. I'm going to give you, you're going to get information that's going to blow your mind. Blow your mind. Yeah. Jesse, you got to jump in here and talk to us a little bit about this because I, I can, I just know this is hitting real for you. Well, my yeah, my process wasn't quite like that. I mean, I was just, you know, thrown into it. But you're right. Um, there were so many people they would bring into my life, and it was almost like, um, you know, I was displayed before these high-level grand high priestesses and high priests. I was displayed before, you know, heads of the families. And it was like, okay, you know, who's going to be the major family to oversee her, you know, her education, her training, who's going to invest in her, which high priestess is going to, you know, connect with her the most and whose protege is she going to be? Um, so, you know, in that sense, you know, it's like they're, they're fighting over you. And right. they all, yes. you know, it, but at the same time, like for me, you know, cause it was so eclectic, you know, my, and it, I'm not saying other people, I, you know, I mean, I believe everybody has spiritual gifts, but they decide who's they're going to develop, mm -hmm. who's they're going to take advantage of. So that's what it was. You know, they were all fighting and they, it, they couldn't just have one person oversee my training, you right. know? they had to have different individuals for the different aspects of it. Um, and they would, you know, they would push to see how far can you go? You know, what are you willing to lose, you know, to uphold your moral ethics and uh, your morality? Um, what can they take from you that will finally make you give way you know, and, and I was tested with that to the max. I mean, I don't know if you've got to hear my story yet, but, you know, I, I was very selective. I, I would participate in the ritual prep because it was a matter, you know, every decision meant somebody died. So for me, I would rather participate in the ritual prep than watch somebody in front of my face die. But over and over and over again. I mean, I saw a thousand deaths a month because of not wanting to participate. And I absolutely refuse. Um, Interesting. There's so many things in this. Uh, it cut off and it froze. I didn't know if you'd stop because it showed you stopping because it just froze. And I was like, wait, is she done? Right? Yeah, we're, we're getting a lot of that today. And yeah. uh, it's because of the subject matters. We don't normally it get it. But there's a reason why I wanted to go to Jesse with that. And Jesse, so they would they would actually display your gifts. They would display your talents and things like that.
But now we have Tom in the same situation, and Tom is literally living out the life of his character in right. so many ways. Jesse, why would they come to Tom? Well, I can't answer that specifically, but you know, everything, everybody has a job that they want done, you know, um, with the connections that you were having it, it in a way you were somebody who was preparing the way um you were preparing the way for the other players around you to fulfill their roles their jobs but then when you started giving kickback it made it dangerous because things were not playing out smoothly mm -hmm. and they do set things up you know for your cover lives where you no matter what avenue you choose, you are living exactly like they want you to live. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I mean, God threw real ringers in there for me. Um, I, you know, I wish I could see more of, of all the connecting pieces with you um, to be able to answer that question more fully. But, um, but, but I, I think, think you really struck on something because he had a role. That, so, Tom, the way I see it, and I'm just taking an objective point of view, sure. taking the evidence and trying to put some pieces together, but if you kind of wrote out the plan, and, and by the way, they use Hollywood and things like that to desensitize and to get people ready to accept the plan. So what I the reason I tied it in with Jesse is Jesse has some really deep spiritual giftings. Oh, I see and, that, yeah. And I think your giftings are being exploited. So they saw you, Tom, as someone very important in this. But then you kind of refused to go to the tree of knowledge. You wanted to go to the tree of life. Yeah, I, I, I wanted, I kept saying the phrase, I want to do this right. I told the mafia that when they offered me, they gave me the house. They said that, you know, anybody I wanted to be taken out, they'd take it out. Jerry Ganazzo was his name, was the contact, Jerry Ganazzo. And he said, you know, the boys, and he gave Otik and I, you know, Senator David Bourne's niece, the place to stay with a pool and everything when Robertson pulled the plug on us. And he was against Robertson's group, so that that group was against Robertson's group. Otika actually represented the Republican Party who wasn't with Robertson, but was with Paul Ryan and those guys because she related to Paul Ryan. So I was in the big stadium, but it's like they, they were courting us. But my take on it was that we have, like Jesse and I, we have to have a certain look that they're drawn to, a certain intelligence that they want to harness, a creativity that they want, and you could say spiritual powers. Um, but a lot of times Jeff, we're fish out of water. Yeah, Jeff actually hit it kind of on the, the nail on the head when he said, you know, we have the plan. And that's kind of the key thing that they can read, you know, astrologically, they can read the signs of the times, they can read the seasons. But then there's people like us, God shows us his mm. will and yep. shows us what's going, going to happen. I couldn't see step by step. You, with your script, you've written out step by step what God's prophetic plan is. So that's valuable to them. Then they link it with people like me who I've seen the end and they compare the notes and they get the whole picture. Okay. Here's the Lord's plan. Here's the step-by-step. Step, and then we put it in light of what the very end is going to be. And now they have the whole picture. So that's the, the remnant. They're it all together. Yeah. They're piecing together. What is God's will? And, and then they play with it. Where can they make changes? You That's know, it. They can play. Can they God. try to change it so that it doesn't turn out according to the way God wants it. But you know, because they really believe that they're gods, they believe that Satan Good. is God and that he can change things and overcome the Lord. That's brilliant. You guys are so smart. It's like so cool. It's like I feel like I'm finally coming home because it's like it's. I just was ready to give up on the world as far as trying to educate it because it was like. Where's the smart people? Where's the people that get it? They're all concerned about hair and clothes and image. Where's the people that actually are concerned about each other and the children, you know? But yeah, it's like, it's it, we are given this download all the time.
and it's like they're bleeding the bear. They're just tapping us. They and then they want to combine us in certain combinations they control, playing God. That's why the wives are provided in my situation. Right matches and stuff like that. I want to show you something really interesting. It fits. Look at the face. That's Kirsten. Looks like you. Hmm. But our looks are also an important part of this picture because they think it draws people. That's why it's going to be the face of the Christian coalition. Hmm. Kirsten and me and Otika. And for the listening audience on Podbean, uh, what Tom did is he just showed a couple pictures and the person looks strikingly like Jesse. Frighteningly so. So wouldn't it be interesting if these people are put together as the their controlled items or players and then the real people that they know would be able to work together to make a difference or put the puzzles pieces together uh look a lot like them yeah so just throw that and then out you're there. more hesitant like you know if you've had an experience where you trusted that person and then it went bad when the lord brings that real person into your life you're less hesitant to walk down that road because you have all these cautionary and bad memories exactly exactly like jeff looks like a good friend of mine from the past you know it's like it's just is this god outwitting man you know where man tried to outwit god it does seem like like you said they want to be god and as we come script just came through it just came through on an agent saying don't say that i'm like well it's the truth it just came through I wrote what I saw, what I what I felt, what I what I had knowledge on. I just wrote it. And here's all this tech and everything else. So yes, it's I believe it's God outwitting man. You know, it's just yeah. I don't just believe that, I know that. God is outwitting the enemy. Uh the, the end of the book is written. And it is. you know, my my faith uh is that God is right. <laughs> you know. Uh, prove, prove the Bible wrong in one spot. Where did God get it wrong? Well, look at the next generation too. My son, Aiden, the last surviving son. Tape by contacts from Hollywood that he's alive because we know you're concerned for his safety, quote. We know you're concerned for his safety. So he's, he's supposed to be held as a chip, you know, like a, like a bargaining chip where you don't say anything, Tom. It was Aiden himself that said, Dad, you need to tell the truth. Speak it out let people know what's going on. And what did Aiden do? We could, my manager and I couldn't find the scripture that was the first one that led me to write the screenplay. Where did the matrix come from? From this scripture, really, the Zion one. And Aiden just takes the Bible and just goes, almost like joking, he just goes, zip, bump. okay, let's try this out. There it was. His finger was on the exact verse. So it's like, and okay. Which verse was that, Tom? He wrote it. <laughs> next session here i gotta look up the exact thing we have it here but it's it's the one that says they'll ask the way to zion and everything okay isn't that crazy but it's like so with all the tech and everything else and like we're describing we only got a little couple pages through again yet but it's like it's provoking thought it's provoking discussion it's it's pertinent to now this is written in 91 92 you know and they're still trying to use up the rest of the story it, it it's like the- it, yeah by the way, that, that scripture thing happens to me all the time. Uh, so just this morning, as a matter of fact, and I was sharing with Jesse a little bit that was happening, you know, last night and that in my life. And I was very stressed out this morning because of some things that have happened. Mm-hmm. And I said, Lord, give me a scripture. And I, I, I and I, I do this all the time. And it has nothing to do with me, obviously. But I open it up, bang, the exact scriptures that I needed to see. It's right. Do either there. of you see the it, that's that's incredible. Do either of you see the light thing go? Like remember said gravity and light. I'll see the and I'll say it to my manager all the time. She's used to this. Where I'll say flash. It's like a light goes it actually like they say a light goes off, a light goes off. I see it. It goes Doop. and people can have different theories for that, but it's always it's placed exactly where I need it where if the person's speaking true, it'll be a right mouth flash. If it's something where they're lying, it'll be a dark sign. It's like, yeah, I'm taking a risk talking about this. It'll be like, oh, it's nuts. But no, it's what I... 
Listen, we're all Nothing being else. accused of being nuts right now, Tom. So that's okay. I know. Delusional. By the way, that, Delusional. that's what's yeah, great like, about this show. There's no show like this show. I know. I love it. And well, if you put these other guys accusing us, they're babbling nuts. They don't. They don't make any sense. They're talking about what their leggings are and how their hair is and their nails. They're not talking about anything really of substance. And we're talking about stuff that's like earth shattering and changing. And it's like they're saying we're delusional and nuts. We're actually hitting it on the head. They're swinging hammers at the glass. So it's like, yeah, that's right. But there was something that happened yesterday for the first time where I said something and I, I'm never sure exactly what what's going to come. And it just lit up like stars. And it was about freeing the children. And that now's the time that the FBI and the CIA to say, I watched a documentary recently where it's like these FBI guys or CIA guys are coming forward and saying, well, you know, I was fired and I was treated wrong, and but 90% of us are good. Um, the FBI and the CIA know exactly where the children are being held. They're not doing anything about it. And I even said in an interview before that they're going to release a couple, maybe 20 or 30 or 100, and say, look, we're doing it. We're making it happen while they're allowing thousands to be captive. And they did that in the documentary. They go, well, we saved 23 and in Louisiana or something, 23, and it was such a good feeling. We saved those kids. I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I was talking about. It's a way to make it look like they're the good ones. Who did the investigation at the Cuban embassy where the, all this uh, infiltration, the Canadian or uh, ambassadors? It was the FBI and CIA. They did the investigation and shut it down. Time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Uh, it, and it's so easy to fix our world and our government and uh, this country to get it back on track. And they're even now, even in these security groups because of this power and power that's not checked. They're the ones checking themselves and they're drunk on it. And they were formed to do espionage, murder, and they're doing it to their own citizens to keep their own power. It, they know where the kids are. So it's time to take the CIA and FBI and say, look, turn your journals over now. Don't wait until it's safe to do it or it's popular to do it. What did Lauren Holmberg tell me on be part of the Masons before he's burned me? I have a book I'm writing. I have a journal and a book I'm writing and I'm going to release it. You know, it's like for you out there, don't read Lauren's book if you can. Just put him in jail and all the rest of them that have kept these journals. If you're keeping a journal in a security uh, system or agency, then you're doing wrong if you're not doing something about the contents of that journal. If you're not making it right and keeping a journal instead on it for the right time to make yourself popular and benefit off that journal, then you're a criminal. You need to come out right now and fix the problem, not make a story out of it and wait for the right time to market it. And that's what I need to say about the FBI and the CIA. Shame on you guys. Absolutely. Shame <laughs> on them. And that's what the stars lit up on. Free the out. Don't capitalize and benefit off them by writing in your journal and then coming out like boohoo story when you get fired or something because you have a disagreement over your pension. Right. Yeah. Boy, Tom, you put out some big truths there. Um, we know of a couple that are, you know, pretty famous. In fact, one is having a movie made about him right now because he's been going and taking out children. And there is some opposition to the official story. Let's just say that. Well, we could clean this mess up quickly, and I believe that God would have us do that. And the tools are in our hands. The tools are literally in our hands. This one screenplay, I'm not trying to market it. I don't care if I don't get a dime. I don't want a dime. I just want the world righted, and then I can get rid of this. So if we make this as it was given, the whole system falls apart. All the dots are connected. They're all revealed from Robertson to the the FBI, CIA, to Hollywood moguls, to Rockefeller's group at Colonial Williamsburg, they're all brought out. And they'll decide to release their journals then. And we'll so, get picked up. So Tom, with your script, being creative and a good steward of money, mm -hmm. how much is it going to take, how much money to make the immortals? We could do it on a shoestring. A shoestring. Because it depends on the artists and graphics. You could do it on a green screen or you could do it as a cartoon version. We've got to get the... Tr to see the story and how these images actually fit cohesively into a story. Okay, and when you say shoestring, give me a ballpark. I would say... 
I'm trying to go on faith here, guidance. 400,000. I know that's laughable in the industry, but we could do it. We could do it. Now, the Wachowskis said they could do it in a million. They could do this screenplay, rip it off for a million. They were able to. So if we're doing it just to get it out there, not all the big bangs and flashes and expensive pyro, we could do it. We could do it, I think, for 400,000. Okay, so now to make it right, uh, in, in you know, in the best way, but using digital technology and stuff like that, not necessarily having to create live uh, sets and things like that, using yeah. technology uh, to carry the story. Five million? That would make it polished. I think that would really make it polished. Yeah. That shouldn't be too too much money to raise. It shouldn't. If people get the idea, that's why they were saying, I was talking to this documentary team that actually did the FBI thing. Um, if they said too, they said the documentary made first means the real life movie will follow. That's what builds people to get behind it. Once they know the story behind the story, which Hollywood attorneys were even saying, it's your real life story, which is the real meat and potatoes. The real life story, you know, makes them excited. The real life story. And who forged that story? Hollywood and the other groups involved and the CIA and FBI. Now you're seeing them turn on each other where Hollywood is burning the FBI. FBI had control of Hollywood. They hold the reins before and controlled content. Now Hollywood's turning around and saying the FBI's are bad guys. Now it's popular to have the FBI's bad guys, CIA's bad guys. That's interesting. Somebody lost their grip. Somebody dropped the reins. And so now Hollywood's looking to make the dollars. That's why Bob Iger was calling before he was fired, the day before he was fired, saying he might want to make a deal. So you're right. 500, 5 million stuff, we could yeah, totally do it. And I would even sign a contract, don't give me a dime. Let's just get this done. I want to be free of my responsibility and have done it right. I don't want the, want any of it. I just want the kids free. I just want the truth out. I just want the faith to go and the glory to go to who it was intended to and be done. And just hear, well done. And Tom, I'm for, expecting something to come flying at your head any moment from your manager who should kill you for that statement. <laughs> I think she would back me. I think she would back me that, you know, I just really, we just want it done. Tom, I, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not your manager. How about you only get paid on the profit? Fantastic, because I'll use it to make the other 14 <laughs> screenplays. I'll make the other 14 screenplays. They're better than The Matrix Story. And they have content in it that lifts the world. And that's going to free up other writers. So, okay, great. <laughs> you know what? In, in uh, 2021, I think I, we, I might explore this with you, Tom. And, uh, you know, there, there's, there's some... Uh, raising that amount of money should not be a problem. Just the amount of controversy that bringing this script out will cause when would lower the marketing budget. So, you know, when we say 5 million to make it, that doesn't encapsulate the money to market it and stuff like that. But there's a lot of things that you, we benefit from the controversy. In, oh, in absolutely. This. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Love it or hate it. People come to see it. They, they, you know, they'd say the other side will say, no one's going to come and see it. The story has already been used up, which is what Joel Silver had said. And the Wachowski's mean, they keep saying it. That's a ripoff group. But the thing is, no, you've done it so badly, people want to know. You've just left questions. You didn't give answers. So people want to see how, if people could hear, okay, you're going to see the film the way it ties everything together. Not the Matrix story, but how all these images that were lifted they wanted credit for tie together that precede the Matrix story. The Matrix story is a lark. It's done badly. It really is done badly. It doesn't answer questions. But if you see how it all ties together, yes, love it or hate it, people will come to see if there's matchups are actually there and that it's the copyrighted script to see how's that story actually tied together all right like so next time we get together tom we're going to be more disciplined and we're going to get towards the ending of will. the script yeah. we're going to be focused because i want so. people to see how it ties together and we need to go through that absolutely really I feel get like, yeah that's great i feel like god's doing the advertising because it's like i mean look at jesse's face and my picture back there and look at you know look at my manager angela otika ball it's like i look at the tech in there all the tech the neural link is all through that thing 
way before Elon Musk arrives on the scene claiming, right? And then Bill Gates, all that stuff. It's like, we got it. The thing that Hollywood's claiming in their courts is we don't want to rock the boat. Too many lies would be affected. Yes, you wrote it. But if you get credit for this, that's too many lives affected. Too many thieves would be affected, basically. Structures would be affected. It could cause a shift in our whole country, in our world. If you get credit for your screenplay, isn't that wild? So that's why the legal system at the current point is for big business and would say, no, it's going to affect too many lives, even though those lives are corrupt and corrupted. Uh, well, and so are some judges that are being exposed, and we're seeing mm -hmm. that right now in, in different settings. Uh, mm -hmm. We're seeing how, how deep the deep state goes, you might say. Well, you're right. So if we make the film, we got them. It's the key. It's the thing they cannot take out of our hands. We have a shelf life here. We need to get moving, but you guys are making it possible. So, yeah, if there's a way, even if you guys had a fundraiser for it or something and put all that money towards the project, it's great. That would be fantastic. Well, we have to we have to get a couple key people involved to be able to raise that kind of money. Absolutely. That, that, that's Absolutely. for sure. They need to hear the truth and see the facts and use critical thinking and see the critical evidence. Yeah. There's a there's a couple of people that come to mind, a couple names that you would know. And uh, we'll we'll do that off air because we don't want to do it. So, Tom, Jesse, I think we should leave it there today because we didn't get into the script and I don't want to make these episodes too long that people don't watch them. Mm -hmm. So, Tom, I thank you again for coming on to Write On Radio. We're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to document your whole story. I think we've gone deeper into your story than you even imagined so far. And no, you know, we are we're down the basement of the rabbit hole. Absolutely. Oh, Tom, you broke up there. Could you mind repeating that? I said we're in the basement of the rabbit hole. Wow. There we go. Jesse, final thoughts? Not today. No, that was good. I have a lot of mulling over in my head. So, <laughs> well, fantastic. We will reconvene on this. Just a reminder to listening audience Thursday, two days from now, the 17th of December, 9 p.m., on our YouTube channel and simultaneously on Podbean, not on Spreaker. If you're on Spreaker, go to Podbean, but you'll want to go and watch us live in our premier music event. It's called Music in Motion, the Netherlands. And it's a collective of these great musical artists who put in all this, donated beautiful, beautiful songs to raise awareness to SRA, victims to bring healing. The, the musicianship is off the charts. And it's gonna be so much fun. We're going to be interacting with you in the comment section in the, on the YouTube channel. So, you know, we're all going to be there. The Netherlands team is going to be there. Jesse's going to be there. I'm going to be there. So let's have some fun. Be sure to be right, right there right before 9 o'clock when it starts because you don't want to miss the beginning of it. Have your favorite beverage. Let's make it a celebration together and really have a good time. It is put on by Illuminate the Darkness. Visit Illuminate the Darkness and Illuminate Your Mind. And don't forget to go to Tom's website, redpillrising.org, because he has a lot of evidences there, and it's a great site to go and see. Until next time, remember, love your God, love your family, even though you didn't pick them. <laughs> Side joke there. Love your family, love your neighbor, and make a difference in your community. Who's right? Who's right? He's right. Right on radio. Right on radio.